Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. This episode is brought to you guys by Ross Wolf, and Ross Wolf showing their support by supporting your favorite podcast is doing a 10% off special this week. So go to their website, pick up some eye candy for your VW, and use the code LTD10 to get 10% off anything that you purchase with that discount coupon code. So make sure you go to RossWolf.com, maybe pick up some gas tank hold downs, billet distributor caps, body to pan gaskets, fender to body washers and gaskets, IDA jet covers, or my personal favorite, the click-in dipstick. So check them out, support those guys that support your favorite podcast. Go to RossWolf.com, R-U-S-S-W-U-L-F.com. Now it seems that there's a show season starting to kick off. One of the first shows coming up here in Vegas, it's going to be at the Red Rock Country Club. Uh, my buddy William's putting it on, and it's the Vegas Auto Fest. It's a pretty legit show that's on the uh, it's on the uh, golf course at Red Rock Country Club. Tons of Porsches there. There's a whole VW section, so if you guys are looking to get to someplace, head out there. It's going to be September 19th, and you go to VegasAutoFest.com to find out more. It's at Red Rock Country Club. Really legit hangout. Nice little car show, super laid back, just there at Red Rock Country Club. Now, next month, if you want to win 1500 bucks, well, guess who's having a poker run? That's right. Let's Talk Dubs, The Wagon, Bill and George, One Crazy Weekend in Vegas. It kicks off Friday night on the 16th with a meetup at a to-be-disclosed location, which will be pretty legit, and you guys will meet up there. We'll have two strip cruises, one at 6, one at 9. There is a host hotel, which is the Orleans Hotel and Casino, and those of you that register will get a special discount code for special room rates. Now, you can register at letstalkdubs.com, but let me finish the itinerary. So, after your Friday night strip cruise, meet and greet, and hang at a non-organized establishment, then there's Saturday morning's day cruise. Saturday morning's day cruise is going to be about a 50, 60-mile cruise through the streets of Vegas to some iconic locations to get some pretty good photo ops with your car, then back to the hotel by 2 o'clock. Then 5 o'clock starts the Let's Talk Dubs poker run. Now, Let's Talk Dubs poker run is going to be about five different locations you stop at, you get a poker card. Whoever's got the best hand when they get back to the Orleans Hotel and Casino by 8 p.m. that night wins $1,500 cash. Second place wins $300 cash, and third place gets $200 cash. When you register for the poker run, it's $50, and that gets you entrance into the poker run. It gets you a limited edition t-shirt that's specifically for this event only and only for participants. And a chance to win $1,500 and drive your car through the coolest parts of Las Vegas at night doing something fun. So that's the event that we've got coming up. I'm super stoked about it. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of guys come to town. There's already people blowing up pre-registration, so it's going to be off the chain. I know, I know. Everybody's like, Bill, Octo's the same day. Nothing I can do about it, guys. The date, we had, we had set the date. We had what we had, and that's what we're going to do. So... Uh, depending on restrictions and whatnot, more things may open up, but at the very least, there's going to be three events happening that weekend, which are going to be outdoor events. You can practice social distancing, do whatever you need to do to be safe. We're going to have fun, and we're going to be driving in the cool October weather here in Vegas, 16th and 17th. Go to letstalkdubs.com and register for the event. You won't be sorry, and make you some cash. Okay, for a little date in history, back in 1950, on September 3rd, there's a huge party held for Dr. Ferdinand Porsche's 75th birthday at the Solitude Castle near Stuttgart, 
with an amazing turnout of Volkswagens and Porsches. Now, that little tidbit of information, I snagged out of Volkswagen's History to Hobby, All the Facts and Fun, a book by Bob Cropsey. So you guys want a cool book to read with a lot of fun facts like that. I'll be dropping some fun facts every time we start a podcast just to do something different and a little bit of something new. Now, let's get into this week's podcast. Watching a documentary called The Bug, The Life and Times of the People's Car, they interview a bunch of people. Uh, some of the people you might know, Randy Carlson, um, and there's a few other guys from all around the world, and they just get their different takes on Volkswagens and whatnot. Well, during that, there was a guy that was into the Herbie cars. He was in the Herbie cars, and he had a taxi and some other stuff, and we ended up connecting on Instagram, chatted it up for a bit, and I said, man, let's do a podcast. So he found the podcast, really enjoyed it reached out to me, I made a connection with him with the documentary, and we started chatting, and I said, let's get you on the podcast, because he's got a killer story about, we get into some of the stuff with the Herbies, because I've always been fascinated about the Herbies, because my my take on the Herbies was always a little different, I was into Volkswagens first, never made the Herbie connection, but a lot of people were connected through Volkswagens through Herbies, now, he also had a Mexican Beetle taxi cab he brought over, and then he's been in a several other Volkswagens in and out through then. It's a fun conversation, a good podcast. And on this week's show, we've got Tori Alonzo, and he's out of Mercer, PA. Uh, solid dude. He's got some great stories. Hardcore VW enthusiast. So uh, without any further ado, guys, let's get into this week's podcast with Tori Alonzo on Let's Talk Dubs. And wait for after the podcast for some shout outs if you bought some merch. All right, everybody, on today's show, I've got uh, Tori Alonzo. Tori, uh, you may recognize him from the documentary, The Bug, The Life and Times of the People's Car. And also, he's got a YouTube video out called Old Soul uh, Ford V Ferrari 906 Porsche. And he also uh, partakes in a, in, a, in a YouTube series called uh, Late Night Playset. And he's, uh, he's on Tuesdays with Tori. So, uh, Tori, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be here. Hey, so uh, the way we start the podcast always is uh, clearly when I saw you on the documentary, The Bug, uh, you're on there specifically about your Herbies and some stuff like that. And we're going to get into that a little bit, but we always start off the podcast with your VW story. So what is your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Cool. So, so my, uh, my start with Volkswagens was pretty early on. I, my, my earliest memory of like connecting with Volkswagens was obviously like a lot of VW people. It was through the movie Herbie. When I was three, um, my parents took me to go see Herbie goes bananas in the movie theater. And I was just a kid, obviously, but, um, I was just kind of struck by the concept that you could have a car that was also a friend. It was kind of cool. Um, it wasn't just a, a, you know, transportation, um, and so obviously, you know, you and I grew up around the same time and, and Volkswagens were everywhere back then. It's not like it is now where it's, you know, you see one going down the road and it's kind of a cool rare sight. I mean, they were right. just still transportation back then it seemed like. So, so to me, you know, kind of every car became Herbie and kind of a friend. So, um, that's, I think probably my earliest recollection of, of really connecting with Volkswagens and it kind of stuck with me the rest of my life. Um, my, my dad was in the car business, so I was always around cars. 
Um, he wasn't necessarily a car guy, though. I think a lot of people assume that I'm a car guy because my dad was, you know, ran car dealerships and stuff in Texas. But um, it was more a paycheck for him. I, I kind of was the one that was into the cars and wanted to learn how to fix them up and, and do all of that. So um, I think that's probably what what planted the seed for me is, as far as being a Volkswagen guy. And, and then what was the what was your first Volkswagen that you got? So my first Volkswagen that I got was was kind of a family car. Growing up, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, um, and and it was kind of out of necessity. But mm-hmm. my dad at at one of the dealerships uh, that he worked at, it was in Wichita Falls, Texas. I'll never forget. And they had traded in for this bug, and it was a '66 Beetle, um, and it had just come from Hawaii. The guy was a he was a pilot or an airman, and he uh, he was based at Shepard Air Force Base in Wichita Falls. And he needed just a more dependable car, I guess. And so he traded the 66 Beetle in. And um, my dad got the car. It's a beautiful car. I'll never forget. We, um, when, when we got it, it had 46,000 original miles on it, which was even still pretty good for, yeah. I believe it was 89 is when we got it. So even for 1989 standards, it was a really, really nice car. And um, so that was kind of my my first Volkswagen. It was kind of like our family car and my dad always had demos from the dealership, so he didn't really need a car. And, and that's the car I got dropped off and picked up from school every day was that 66 bug. Yeah. Is that the car you, did you learn to drive a stick in that car? I did. Yeah, I sure did. Yep. I drove that car in, in, in once, once I got to be of driving age, cause I was, this was way before I even had a driver's license or a learner's permit even. Um, you know, I drive the car around the block, but once I got my license, I, you know, kids are rough on cars and, and I was always so deathly afraid that I would do something in the car or mess it up or get in an accident with it. So I never drove the car even when I could basically, except for around the block, just because I wanted to keep the mileage down. Even at that age, I knew that it was kind of special that the car was so low miles and, you know, it's one of the Pigalle editions, which is really cool. The 66 and 67 Beetles that were white or black, they had the all red interior yeah. and they're pretty rare nowadays. And it's it's kind of funny. A lot of people don't even realize that Pigalle comes from uh, a word in France, which was for the the basically the red light district. Yeah. So that's what that car was named after. So, I mean, even back then, I kind of knew it was a special car. You know, it had it had the original window sticker and owner's manual. And I mean, it's a really, really cool car. So, yeah. So that was kind of my first, you know, that was the beginning of the end basically for me, as far as Volkswagens are concerned. And then, um, you know, I know that in the documentary that, uh, that, that you're in, you're pretty big into the Herbie's. I was, yeah. The, the Herbie thing came in, you know, ever since I was a kid, I mean, we should probably go back because even before, even before we got the 66 Beetle, mm-hmm. um, I I remember the first Hot VW's magazine I got was January of 87. And it was the car that had the Red Runner on it. It was a, a really, I know you know the car because, yeah. you know, you know those magazines just like I do. But it was this really, really cool, like kind of 80s custom red bug with with silver eight spokes. And it had the Road Runner like muraled on the, the floor pan. <laughs> it was just a yeah. really, really cool car. And, you know, I kept all those magazines. I, I actually dug them out the other day. But uh, so I used to read these these Volkswagen magazines when I was a kid and before we had a VW. And, and I was just enthralled with all of this stuff. And so um, that's kind of what got me into the Volkswagen scene, per se. Um, being in Texas, we moved around a lot. And so there was there was basically like a couple shows a year that were really, really good. But the rest of the time, there wasn't much of a Volkswagen scene anywhere where we lived. I was always kind of on my own. Mm-hmm. Texas is kind of like a, 
you know, a muscle car, V8 right. kind of country, pickup trucks, stuff like that. So, um, but I had collected Volkswagen stuff from an early age and, and I always had Herbie stuff. You know, I had all the books and, you know, when I was a kid, once, if you remember, you go to the grocery store and they had a section where you would rent VHS tapes or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. I, I would always rent the Herbie movies. I mean, I had all these memorized. And then, you know, when you could record VHS tapes, I used to record them off of the, you know, Disney specials or whatever and just watch them all over again. And I've got, I've got a picture of when I was, a, I think in kindergarten, I, I had drawn a picture of Herbie and I was, yeah, I was pretty obsessed from an early age. So, you know, what's, what, what, what's funny to me is, is, I got into Volkswagens from like the street scene and then always kind of kind of looked at Herbie like, okay, that was that bug that they did, you know, that they did in that series of movies. And then recently it was funny. I'd seen, you know, I, I'd never sat and watched some of the Herbie stuff. And then like about a year ago when that Disney, that Disney channel came out, I sat mm-hmm. with my kids and I started watching Herbie and I was like, and it reminded me of my first bug because I think you, you, you create this connection with your first car that they have a soul, a personality that, that, it's alive, you know what I mean? And exactly. What's so funny is I think that series just further pushes that with people where they where the where a car has so much personality. This inanimate object with some strings and some stunts and some stuff like that looks like it comes to life. But I mean, I think all of us look at every one of our cars with some sort of personality. And and watching that movie, I could see how it deeply would deeply ingrain people to like see their car as a person. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I mean, Volkswagens, I mean, just by their nature, looking at them, they just look like they've got a face and they just it's a lovable car. You know, yeah. I mean, you can look at it and just see it looks like something that would be friendly. And um, so so that's, I think, what kind of appealed to me. And 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 I've always I've always carried that with me. And obviously, I never dreamed in a million years I would own a real one from the movies. I just, even, even the white 66 that we owned as a kid, I just nicknamed it Herbie. It to me, it was just Herbie. But, um, but I think it's funny too, because, you know, I was kind of the opposite of you. What got me into the street scene was Herbie because I, you know, once I started reading these magazines and seeing that these things could outrun a V8, I was just like, wow, that's amazing. That's like Herbie in real life. Like that's a real thing. Like they really do pop wheelies if you have enough power and like, you know, these things really can win races. And then, you know, the more I delved into things like the inch pincher and and what these guys were doing in the sixties around the time that the movie was made, I was like, wow, it's kind of like, you know, real life mimicking art in a way. Sure. So that kind of appealed to me as well. So that, that was cool. So that kind of is what got me into like the cow look scene and, and, and other facets of the Volkswagen community per se. So it was kind of cool. And then, so you start, you start getting in the magazines and start, when, when do you finally make your first purchase and jump on a Volkswagen? So my first, my first car that I actually drove to high school was a, a 75 standard Beetle. And again, it was another car that my dad had traded for. And, um, I worked at pizza hut, like I think at like 15 or 16 years old as a cook, Nice. basically just to pay insurance because insurance for a teenager is so expensive. I can't even imagine what it is now, but even back then it was quite a bit of money. And, you know, my parents were like, you know, if you want to drive, you've got to get something that you can afford that you know how to work on. And by this point, I actually could work on VWs. Um, I I remember, I like a lot of people, I, I bought the idiot manual from John Muir. Right. Um, you know, the complete idiot guide and um, how to keep your Volkswagen alive. And I used to read that, and and I would go, you know, when when I was a kid, my parents would take me to car shows and to these Volkswagen shows. And the big ones in Texas were at the Texas Motorplex, um, which was a quarter mile track in Ennis. 
So, um, I mean, I got pretty savvy at like the swap meets, you know, from reading hot VWs and Jeff Walters and all of his treasure hunting in Costa Rica stories. I got to know like, Oh, those are Safari windows. Those are worth money. Or, you know, this is, you know, those are heart taillights. So, I mean, I, as a, as a kid that didn't even have a driver's license yet, I was pretty savvy with stuff. And, and when I started to get into like the more mechanical parts, I would buy like core carburetors just so I could take them apart and figure out how they worked and then put them back together. And I think I built my first motor when I was like 16 or 17 years old. Um, just, just tinkering around in the garage, I would buy swap meet parts and then practice on them. So I wouldn't, you know, be down a car for school or whatever. But, um, so yeah, so my first car was a 75 standard beetle that my dad had traded for. And of course, immediately, like I had to buy wheels for it and, and all this stuff was coming from, you know, swap meets and stuff, uh, that I would go to. So I had, I had center lines on it and I lowered it and, you know, baby <laughs> turbo mirrors and all the stuff, the louvered running boards, all the stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so you got, that's all, those all the tick marks for the eighties. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, you know, back then Volkswagens really weren't worth that much. They hadn't really come on as, as collector cars. I mean, obviously split windows and some of the early buses were, you know, sought after, but I mean, you could still get a running bug for 500 bucks all day long. No problem. Yeah. So we had this thing called the thrifty nickel, which is kind of like the recycler in California. It was just a little weekly paper that would come out and I put it, I, I would put wanted ads in it for like old Volkswagens. And I, I can't tell you, at one point in, in the bullpen in the back of the dealership, I think I had like 12 Volkswagens. And my really? parents were like, this is out of control. Because a lot of times they would just give them to you for free in Texas, you know, especially West Texas, where they, nobody really drove VWs anymore. They were right. like, look, this thing's been broken down in my backyard. If you just tow it out of here, you can have it. I will sign the title over to you. You can have it. So I remember being like 17, 18 years old, and I had like 12 cars at one point that were just broken down and you know, I'd, I'd do a little work to them and then pass them on and make money and buy something else. But, wow. um, I remember, yeah, when I was a kid, man, I mean, I chased oval windows and I never found a split window when I was a kid, but I, I had plenty <laughs> of oval windows and stuff. So I got really to the vintage scene at first. And, um, I remember like back around 90, 91, I was actually the youngest chapter representative for the VBWCA back before it was like a crappy Facebook page, <laughs> like when it was the legit <laughs> you know, club, I, I would go to these chapter meetings with the Ninja Volkswagen Club of America. And I became the Soto rep. And I mean, I think that was before I even had a driver's license. Nice. And I'll never forget, you know, the first time they would have these meetings in these like hotel banquet rooms or whatever the night before the Volkswagen show. And this was the first time I was going to meet all these old timers. I mean, these guys right. were old. They were older yeah. than my dad's age, obviously. And, and they were like, all right, let's test this kid out. So they had like this trivia contest and I, I annihilated everybody. I mean, oh, they were really? asking questions like, you know, what year was the door handle lock mechanism only upright? And I was like 1960. And they were like, who is this kid? Like, where did this kid even come from? It was really funny. But, yeah. um, it, so that was kind of cool. So I was kind of like, you know, the little rain man kid that knew his Volkswagen stuff, even from an early age. And it, uh, it just never stopped. <laughs> and then, and then how do you, how how many Volkswagens do you have? I mean, obviously you have a bunch, but up until you get to the point where you have Herbie, or do you you kind of take a break and then you, what 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 flips your switch to where you're like, that's it, I'm I'm gonna find a Herbie for me. So, yeah, so. I, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. I it, since since my parents bought that white '66, I don't think I've been without a Volkswagen since, in some form, which is kind of funny. Like I've always had at least one or two mm-hmm. since then. But um, I didn't get really interested in Herbie again until 
I think I was like in college and, and there started to be this like kind of internet buzz around. It was right around the time that the internet was coming on. I, I remember going to like Tom's old bus site. That's before they like linked it to the Samba. That was like the Tom's vintage. Yeah, bus it, was, site, uh, I think. it was vintage, uh, vintage bus.com. That was it. Yeah. yeah. So when I was in college, I was supposed to be like studying, you know, in the library or whatever. I was on, you know, the internet looking at this stuff and I happened upon this Herbie message board and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like there's other guys out there that are like into Herbie. And cause I mean, before the internet, like it was, you, you kind of had to seek these people out. It wasn't easy. Yeah. And, and so I found this message board and that's kind of what, um, I would say that kind of reignited my kind of passion for Herbie and, and there was an there was an old school collector, and I know you'll know the name. The guy's name was Daryl Adams, and he had yeah. some of the rarest stuff out there. Well, he was also a Herbie guy, and he rescued a bunch of Herbies. I used to um, I used to correspond with Jerry Jess a lot too. Jerry and Melissa, yeah. I used to buy Volkswagen toys from them all the time in Phoenix. They were huge into that stuff in the '80s, and they had a Herbie replica, and um, and they had found uh, four cars that were in a junkyard, and Daryl Adams had bought them. And I, I tracked these cars down. Some went, you know, here, some went there. And, and I ended up finding one that was in Branson, Missouri. Um, I think he had a couple of them still at that point. And, and I had built, I had built like a pretty decent Herbie replica at the time with help from the message board and all these people. There was a guy that was remaking the graphics back then. Um, Greg Carr was his name and he's still a Volkswagen guy in Florida. And, yeah. um, and so I built this Herbie replica and, and it was cool, but I've always wanted a real one. So I was like, well, I'll take a chance and just contact this guy. And this, this real Herbie that he had was really, really rough shape. It was lined with foam and it, it was one of the cars from Herbie Goes Bananas, which I thought was kind of a cool first, full circle moment because that was the first movie I'd ever seen as a kid. So it was an actual car that he had from the so movie. So it was an actual car, yeah, but it was in really, really bad shape. I mean, it needed everything. And um, it was basically like, a prop at this point. It wasn't even like a full functioning car. There was no engine, no transmission, whatever. It was like a floating shell essentially. So I was like, well, I'll take the worst the guys can say is, is no, you know? And, and I asked him, I was like, look, I've got this replica. It's a running driving car. Would you be interested in trading for, you know, a real, the, your real hurry for my fake one that actually drives. And to my surprise, he was like, yeah, no problem. He was so like, I, let me ask this question. Herbie was a 63. Is correct. that correct? Well, was in the movie, in the movie, like if you try to figure it out, it looks like to be a 63, but correct. Those people that aren't savvy to Volkswagens can tell in certain shots. It's definitely different years. Absolutely. In, in different things. Now the Herbie replica you built, what year was that? Bug? It was a 63. So yep. it was a 63. Yeah. And it was a rag top. So mm -hmm. it was, that's basically what Herbie is represented as is a 63 rag top. If you ask anybody, but you know, to the people that, that know Volkswagens, if you watch a movie, I mean, you can spot oval windows, you can spot, you know, big window cars. They use just about everything. There were fake rag tops. There were, you know, they, they were all over the board. And so that's, um, that's, so you, that's kind of, you trade a running driving 63 beetle <laughs> for a prop. I did. And in, in, I mean, all my friends thought I was crazy, but I didn't care because I've always wanted to have a real hurry. And that's kind of what started me down the whole hurry rabbit hole, because from there, you know, I, I kind of built notoriety in the Herbie world that, you know, oh my God, this guy's like restoring this car back to, you know, look like Herbie again. And, and I did, I mean, I tracked down parts and, you know, screen used parts from the movies. Now, I now mean, walk I, me into the Herbie world a little bit. Like, is there a whole counterculture of Herbie enthusiasts that's like, that's oh, yeah. super deep? I mean, like, 
if you, oh, yeah. if you're the, I think the average person, like in every city, there's that one car that's at a car show. It's a white bug, 68, doesn't matter, but it's got a yep. 53 on the door and yep. it may have the stripes backwards and the white's the wrong white. And it's, and it's got yep. full chromies on it. And oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's like everybody just slaps a 53 on the door and calls it Herbie. Now, yep. how deep does this world go? And and when did you, when you jumped into this world, were you not ready for how deep this Herbie world goes? Oh man, it goes so deep. And, and, and at one point I was at the top of the food chain with this world. I mean, that's in, in, in probably in a span of 10 years, I went from, you know, owning a replica and not really knowing much about any of it to just so deep. And there's, there's a handful of us that, that I think a lot of people hold in high esteem still to this day, just because of stuff we accomplished and sure. stuff that I tracked down and whatever else. But I was not prepared for what would come. <laughs> now it was, it, it was interesting. I'll say that. So take me to the point of like, okay, so you're getting, so you buy this Herbie replica, this, this essentially a background or prop car, like a non running, they have what they call hero cars. And then they have like, T- take me cars. through yeah. some of the some of the uh, the vernacular for like movie cars because that's a whole separate genre in itself. It um, is, yeah. Most and, definitely. And, and what's the difference of the cars? Let's say that they film with because there were a total of how many how many cars used for the filming of the Herbie series. So it changed with every with every movie. It changed, and we'll start we'll start with like. Basically, there were four movies for the original, you know, the original franchise is what most of us refer to it as. That's The Love Bug, Herbie Rides Again, Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, Herbie Goes Bananas. In 1981-ish, they filmed a TV series that was pretty short-lived. I don't think it did very well. It was on ABC. Oh, I didn't even know that. Herbie Herbie the Matchmaker. Really? Yeah. Yeah, there was a TV series. And actually, the girl that plays... Dean Jones's daughter in that was Claudia Wells. Well, Claudia Wells went on to be Marty McFly's girlfriend in Back to the Future. Oh, Same girl. Here. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. So, so you've got you've got this weird like hardcore group within the Herbie world, mm-hmm. and in most of those people hold the earlier movies in much higher esteem than Herbie Fully Loaded, sure. which was the Lindsay Lohan remake. And of course, when I got into the Herbie world, Herbie Fully Loaded hadn't even been made yet. Right. Um, so there were different cars made for each film and with like the very first movie, like as far as I'm concerned, like the further back you go, you know, the original, the original is usually the best when it comes to any movie. It doesn't matter if it's Herbie or, you know, Ghostbusters or, you know, the Karate Kid. I mean, usually the first one's always the best. The best, right. And yeah. And so to me, that was kind of always the car that I achieved and aspired to own, was one of the original Herbies and not many of those exist. Um, so that would be the hardest one to find. Then, you know, you've got the sequels after that. Well, they, it's hard to really say exactly how many cars were made for each movie because they would recycle from the old movie and repaint them and restripe them. And then you wouldn't really necessarily know. I mean, we've got, I, I went to the point of like tracking down old crew members to get their car lists, to get call sheets, to get really? all of their records because Disney Studios did not keep a lot of stuff. They've got a photo archives, which I've been to, which isn't open to the public. But as far as like 
lists of cars and VIN numbers, things that you'd think that they would have. They don't have any of that information. I've got stuff that Disney Studios archives doesn't even have. So, Just from tracking down people like special effects guys were always the bread and butter. They always kept stuff like that. Did, did you so, did you create a database on that? Like when you came into the Herbie world, did they having that stuff, but people have that stuff put together or did you? No, nobody had any of that stuff. And in for that reason, I kind of became the guy that people would go to when they were looking at a potential hurry that was supposed to be real. They would check with me and be like, look, this is the paperwork they have to, you know, they're claiming to have. This is what car they said it is. And I mean, nine times out of 10, I could prove them wrong and be like, no, it's just a fake. You know, they're just trying to pass off a bill of goods to you. Like, we know where this car is at. So or- the, the star car, the, the actual running, driving, full-blown car, is called, that's called the hurt, the hero car? It's usually called the hero car, but with Herbie, it's a little different because there were multiple sort of hero cars, depending on what stunt it was. I mean, obviously, there's always the one that looks pretty, but in a lot of cases, the one that looked pretty also, you know, went the fastest Mm -hmm. because they would have different, you know, companies hop up the motors. Like, for instance, the car in the very first movie that still survives today that did all the high-speed racing scenes, they put a Porsche Super 90 motor in that car. Oh, wow. Um, Max Balchowski, who was a really famous road racer in the 60s in California, is the one that built that car. He had a really famous car called Old Yeller. And Old Yeller uh, was a, it was a, I mean, it, it was, he built it from scratch, basically. It was like a junkyard dog. And it won a lot of road races in SoCal back in the day. So they used a lot of these guys on the Herbie movie, on the very first Herbie movie, hmm. The Love Bug. Bill Hickman was a stunt coordinator. He was actually the guy towing the trailer that James Dean's spider was supposed to be on the day he died when they were going oh, wow. to Salinas for the road races. So you have to understand, like, all the guys that they used for this film were pretty, like, juiced in in the car community. And, and I think that's what made the love bug so good is because it was so authentic. They were filming at Riverside Raceway, you know, not long after Ken Miles was killed, um, wow. who was in, you know, Ford v Ferrari is what that's about. So all of this stuff kind of like aligned, which was cool. Um, but so you've got hero cars, but then you've also got cars that are built to go fast and handle good. And and in, in the later films, they used a company called Speed Unlimited mm-hmm. um, right there in the valley. And they used to advertise in Hobby W's and, you know, they, they had intake manifolds and And so that's all the stuff that I went and tracked down. I had to have like the intake manifold for the motor that they used for that car. And yeah, it got really crazy. But in my estimation of the original four films, I would say there's about 20 cars that are 20 cars total, 20 cars total. Now, now that are still, you're, you're saying that they're still around today, still around. Yeah. Still around 20 cars. Now of those now, obviously documentation is everything when it comes to a film car and there's a you know obviously you've heard racing for pinks that's Mm -hmm. the california title was it was a registration card it was pink it was the pink slip title well kind of the 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 best thing you can do when you have a movie car is to have provenance and things like that well some of the cars, a handful of them still have what's called the Disney pink is what we call it. And that was the title that still showed that it was registered to Walt Disney Productions. Oh, in really? Burbank. So they actually yeah. registered all the vehicles to them, to the company. They, they did in the first couple movies. And then, you know, they got so many cars towards the end, like in bananas, they had cars that would just float or cars that didn't even have engines that had hydraulics for like the bullfighting ring or whatever. So they didn't even bother, you know, registering them. But I was told by the special, you know, special effects guys that if the car was going to be roadworthy or driven on a road, it had to be registered. 
that was the rule. So um, I still have, I've tracked down original Disney titles for cars that don't even exist anymore. So I still have like Disney pink slip titles, even though there's no car for it. I mean, I've tracked down so much stuff. It's insane over the years, but I mean, that seems like a huge undertaking. It is, it is, but I always enjoy the hunt. It's always been kind of a fun thing to track down guys that that worked on the film and get, you know, whether it's pictures from behind the scenes or things like that. Uh, that that was always my specialty is I was able to get to these guys before anybody else and and get pictures and get, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, a lot of times like crew members will take, you know, uh, souvenirs from the set or whatever. So sometimes that was car parts and, you know, I, I would pay to get those car parts back and reunite them with a car or, you know, just put them in my personal collection. So yeah, the Herbie world is, it's, it's a different one, but, um, you know, I think it's funny because I, I, I did everything I could do in the Herbie world because the, the most recent car that I had was one of the original three cars from the very first movie, The Love Bug. And that car had a Disney pink title and that that it, I wasn't going to get any better than that, basically. And like so that. and the owners that buy those cars, they'd never re-register them. They keep the original Disney title or if they do retitle it, they keep the original title. Correct. Canceled yeah, out by the DMV. Yeah, because that's yeah. Now, uh, and and I have heard stories of people back in the day that did actually like register those cars, and they had to surrender the title, which makes me crazy. Because I mean, that's all the value of the car, you know. And and sometimes a, co- a photocopy doesn't cut it. But um, yeah, I I owned the earliest surviving Herbie movie car that was the most original from the very first film with the pink slip title, and 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 of all things, it was a '57 oval window hardtop which is the most funny thing of it all because it was a legit oval. Still had the oval dash. It's a really famous car in the Herbie world. It's known as junkie um, because they, they repurposed the car in the second film. If you ever watch Herbie rides again, there's a scene where this little army of Volkswagens comes through San Francisco to save the day. And there's this car that's sitting on top of a junk heap and it's yellow and green and it's all wrecked and it comes off the junk heap and it's like always trying to keep up with the other Herbie, you know, the, army is what they call it um to, to to save herbie and save the firehouse well that's this car but i found out that it was reused from the very first movie so when i got the car i found the car in a museum in pennsylvania here of all really? places and i knew where it had been and it hadn't really been actively promoted as being for sale but i was pretty you know resilient and would would check in with them a lot and just say you know hey you ready to sell the car and and the museum kind of fell on hard times because they were a nonprofit. And they said, look, we, we'd be willing to take an offer for the car. And I shot them an offer and they accepted. And that was probably one of the best finds of my Volkswagen collecting career because that car was so rare and it just, it had everything. And um, so did you I know, used, did you know what car it was when you first spotted it? I did. I knew exactly what car it was. Yeah. And, and yeah. to the museum, they were just like, it's just a, it's just one of the Herbie cars. Yeah, to them, they it, they didn't really get the significance of it. I mean, they knew that it had the Disney pink slip title or whatever, but I don't think they knew that it was, you know, what was underneath all of that, you know, yellow and green paint. I basically used goof off and rubbed off all of the latex paint that they had used for the second movie. And it had all this beautiful, like, L87 lacquer or pearl white paint from the very first movie and remnants of the stripes. And, yeah, wow. it was pretty – yeah, it was neat. So I did – what I would call a preservation restoration. I didn't want to destroy anything from the first movie. So if it had it during the first movie, that's what it got back. 
And, you know, I tried to preserve little bits of stuff here and there, but, um, you know, after I had that car, it's, it's weird. Um, that Porsche powered car I was telling you about that belonged to a friend of mine, Greg Carr in Florida. He told me early on, you know, he sold that car to, um, a guy named Luke over in the UK, who's a pretty famous, uh, Volkswagen collector. I think he has a place called the Beetle Barn or something. Mm -hmm. Really nice guy. Um, but when Greg sold that car, I was like, look, like that's the car you've dreamed about owning your whole life. Like, why are you selling it? And he was like, it's kind of a curse. He was like, at some point, like the car just kind of begins to own you. Like you don't really own Herbie. You're just kind of the caretaker. And I get the custodian thing, but I didn't realize what a weird kind of curse it is to own an original Herbie car because it, so many people input their opinion online. And, you know, especially when I was, you know, taking the, the latex paint off and people were I mean, losing I had, their mind. Oh, people were losing their mind. And, you know, it, I was the one that stepped up and took a chance on the car. So I felt like I was doing right by the car by preserving it. And right. for the most part, I think people agreed with my approach with the preservation of the car because it was, you know, that's definitely like the iteration that most people remember the car being. But, you know, the I, it's not a car I could drive every day. It's not a car I could really even drive to a Volkswagen show because it was so fragile and, um, so a lot of times I would just loan it out to museums and it was like, I didn't even own the car at that point. And, yeah. and I remember thinking like, this is what Greg is talking about. Like the fact that, you know, everyone's got their two cents to put in about this car and Herbie means so much to so many people that they don't care that you own the car. It's, it's, yeah, they, it's almost it, like community. It's property, theirs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, that was kind of a weird thing that I learned. And, um, and I tell you what, after that, I just, I, I found Herbie a great home with a friend in Texas and, and he shares the car and trailers it all over the place and shows it off. And, and, um, and I, I kind of left the Herbie world behind. Now there was so, an article on that car when it was for sale, right? Yeah, I wrote an article for Jalopnik uh, with my friend Jason Torchinsky, who actually was also in the Bug movie. Right, um, and he's a VW guy too. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's a pretty serious diehard Volkswagen guy too. But um, yeah, I kind of I I kind of told him like the the trials and tribulations of putting this car online, and and I asked a very fair price for that car because um there's cars that have sold at Barrett Jackson for in excess of like $125,000 that didn't have near the documentation. This car did. You're saying there's uh, Herbie's that have sold for $125,000. Yeah. Yeah. If you go online and you look at like most expensive, you know, air cooled beetles ever sold or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I believe Barrett Jackson was where the one was sold for a lot of money. Um, and my friend who lives like maybe 40 minutes from me, his name's Dan Miller. He runs a shop called red barn restorations. Mm -hmm. He's kind of known as a Herbie guy as well. He's the one that restored that car, um, and and it ended up being one of the highest selling cars out there. It's crazy. And it was an original so, Herbie. It was an original Herbie, but it was restored. You know, I mean, right. it wasn't. They're it, only it, original it, once. They are only original once, and you know, when uh, unfortunately, a lot of these cars that that are real that are part of the twenty surviving of the originals, they got restored in the eighties when that wasn't. People didn't think twice to you know, take parts off and just toss them in the dumpster and put a repro fender on and call it good and paint it white and put 53s on it, you know? Yeah. And so I, I kind of tried to approach the Herbie world from, from the angle of, look, these are pieces of history we need to, pre you know, preserve. And, you know, if we can tell the story and we can get, you know, all of this documentation back from people that worked on it before they pass away, like that would be awesome. I, I remember taking a trip out to Prescott, Arizona to interview Danny Lee, who, 
this guy did everything with special effects in Disney in the 60s and 70s. I mean, this guy made Mary Poppins fly and, you know, he, he worked on all the Herbie movies and, you know, he shared all of these pictures with me and was like, I'd love for you to pass this on. And, you know, you're, you're the guy. So preserve this history. And, and I did. And, um, it's, you know, it was a fun time. I look back on it and I, I, I contributed a lot to the, to the Herbie thing, but I just, it kind of became my life and, and that's not the life that I wanted. Like there's it, all these other, it traps you. Of, People are expecting like, wait, what are you doing? You're supposed to be a Herbie guy. What are you doing? Driving a bus? What are you doing? Like <laughs> it does. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of get cornered into this, this weird, you know, sub genre that you didn't really set out to be in, in the first place. I mean, I was always sort of a fan, but yeah, it, it got, it got kind of overwhelming at that point. And I, I backed away and I've, I've never gone back, you know? And, <laughs> and so, and when that car was for sale, what did that, what was that car up for sale for the asking price when it was up for sale? $85,000 and, and I got it. And, and, and people, it's funny because, you know, as the owner of a car that, especially when you're that into the Herbie scene, like you've got a pretty good idea of what it would be worth. And in the same respect, if one that's been fully restored, that's an original car, but it's been restored. So it's not in its original state. Right. And, and you see it, that goes for more than that. And you're thinking like, you know what, this car has, it's got the provenance with it. It's got, uh, you know, documentation. It's got the history. It's the most desirable, most desirables and would almost to some degree devalue it by restoring it and asking mm -hmm. a fair price. You know, I, I have to, I have to agree with you, and I, and I know you probably get a ton of crap when you put it up for up for sale online. Oh yeah, um, you know because everybody it, in today's world with the internet, everybody has an opinion, and they feel that you need to hear it. Um, oh yeah. What uh, what was the strangest thing that happened when you were trying to sell it? Any kind of weird stuff went down, or or just some really you saw people's well, fangs come out, or what? There was a little bit of that. I mean, obviously, you know, we put like what some of the comments were because I think that was back before Bring a Trailer was even doing um, auctions. auctions. They would just, you know, they would just throw List like, car. you know, hey, yeah. this is cool. Like, check this out. So it it made the Bring a Trailer page and it went viral after that. And some of the comments on there were like, you know, oh, my God, what a, what a piece of crap. I wouldn't pay $500 for that car. And. You know, and then you get the Lindsay Lohan jokes, which have nothing to do with this car because this car was, you know, in a movie 50 years ago. Right. And, um, but probably the most upsetting thing that I got was all these people that had offered to buy the car, pay full asking price, and then they were going to restore it. And I was like, no, absolutely not. I can't do that. You know, like that, you cannot restore this car. Yeah. So that's why I ended up with my friend Clayton Caps in Texas who owns it now because he he promised me that he would you know respect the car and he's like I won't touch it he's like if I ever do anything I'll ask you first and and he always has he he's a man of his word so and he enjoys that scene you know I just got burned out on it I I got um anytime you have message boards involved, there's always drama and it was just you yeah. know it's the internet man that's just the new normal It'll... And, and I just I had to step away. From it'll it. kill. It it'll kill your enthusiasm. Your enthusiasm faster than anything else. You know. It will. And, it really will. You know. I. I. I know to some degree what you're talking about with that car. I had a car that didn't have the. It didn't have the provenance that that car had. But I had. I had a 2003 Beetle that had. Uh, it had 3,500 kilometers on it, brand new. It never no been registered. Way. It was, oh, and I would, and, and all I did is I bought lowered spindles for it. And then I put it on four lug Cosmics and I, it sat on the mm -hmm. rack in my garage. And every now and again, I'd fire it up and then I'd go for a drive and it was brand new, brand new. 
closest to driving a brand new Beetle I've ever done. And I drive it around, think like, oh, I gotta put, I gotta put some conies on here. I gotta put some sway bars. I got, and I drive it, and then I'd get frustrated because like I don't want to put miles on it, but I've got mm-hmm. it. And it's so it's like this thing where, like you said, it's like this curse. Like you've got this car, and and to some degree, I think everybody's gonna experience that. You know, like you you seek after this car that's gonna be this this thing you look at, and then after a while, you don't want to look at it. You want to drive it. You want to enjoy it. Yep. You want to be able to kind of live with the car. And when you have a car that you, that you, it bothers you to put miles on it or it bothers you to drive it or the risk of, you know, it kind of gets unfun, you know, at least in my opinion. You completely nailed it. And, and I'll do you one better because one of the other cars that I had when we filmed the bug movie was a Turkish bug that I had found that had 19,000 miles on it. And I mean, it was, dude, this car was freaking spotless, beautiful car, but it was a curse because I didn't want to be the guy that turned it 20,000 on the odometer. And yeah. so it became this weird, I don't want to say a curse because the car is amazing. Like I had an awesome history. I researched the background. The woman that bought it originally was from um, Ohio. She was a little old lady. She got her first car. She was born in 1899 and did not get a new car until she was in her 60s, I guess, in 1963. Wow. And she kept everything. I mean, when you hear about the car that like, you know, oh, she only drove it to get groceries and to church on Sunday. That was legit, this car. Like, I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, you, it still smelled new. And, and how'd you find that car? That car that car is a funny story. So I found that car on Craigslist, okay? I was one of the first people to contact the person and, um, and he was like, well, there's a guy that's headed this way with cash right now. And I was like, okay, well I'm getting in the car. I'm like two hours away. I'm on my way. I'm an hour away from getting there. And he calls, he's like, the guy just left. He, he bought it. And I was like, I'm not surprised. I was like, I said, was that a typo that it had 19,000 miles on it? He's like, no, he's like, it, it should have been in a museum. He's like, it's a real car. I was like, geez, man, like the one that got away. So I go back home. I'm on Facebook on this like local like Facebook page and this guy Zach posts this thing like check out this bug I just got. I was like, "Oh, I'm not about to lose this car again." Right. And it wasn't for sale or anything, but he was talking I I messaged him immediately. I was like, "Look, I was on the way to get that car." I was like, "You know, good score. That's awesome you got it." I was like, "What's it going to take to get the car?" And he's well, like, "Oh, let, I don't know." He's let like, "Let me ask this question. What was it for sale for?" Uh, $4,500. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Oh dude. No. And I mean, it's, it's, this car's like brand new. Okay. So I'm sick. And this guy's in West Virginia. So he's like a two or three hour drive. And I was like, well, what are you going to do with it? And he was like, honestly, he's like, I'm, I don't know. He said, I bought, I wanted something that I could slam on BRM oh. and, and, you know, do like a Cowlick car. And I said, dude, I said, it's your lucky day. I said, I've got this. 63 ragtop which used to be a herbie replica that i've like turned back to a cowlick car i had repro brms on it you know slammed front porsche headlight lenses like it was a cool car um just a 1600 motor with a chrome stinger on it but it was like kind of old school cowlick i said would you consider just trading straight up for this car because i knew the value of that 63 being 19,000 miles and he he was like, yeah, yeah, send me pictures. So I sent him pictures, and, and long story short, we swapped cars, dude. And I got the car back. I brought the paint back. I detailed it. I cleaned it up. We filmed it for the bug movie, and it, the car was basically a replacement for my white 66 that my dad had sold when I was away at college. And we right. can talk about that story too if you want. But 
I was trying to find a car that that kind of evoked those same emotions and smelled the same. Like we have this thing in the documentary we talk about the Volkswagen oh, smell, yeah. and in in that that smell is definitely like what I remember the most about my childhood because I <laughs> I lived in that Volkswagen. I mean, we, we went everywhere in it, you know. So like I yeah. wanted those feelings back, and this car had that smell, that '63, and so uh, you know I. But it became really apparent really fast that, you know, I, I think it had like 19,700 miles on or something. And so, like, literally, I'm looking down at the odometer every time I drive this car. It's like, killing dude, you. Like, mile it's, by it's mile, close. it's killing it's you. Getting close. Like, it's getting close. And, like, I mean, I had fun because, I mean, like, little things that had been replaced, like the distributor cap. Like, I found an NOS brown one, you know, and, like, little stuff like that. But I... It, it, at that point I was like, I can't, I can't be the guy that turns it over 20 grand. And, um, so I, I put the car up for sale. Um, and I sold it to a collector friend of mine on the West coast for 25 grand, That's, and which it, was it, way more than I could have ever gotten for that rag top. So it all worked out in the end. Uh, and I bought a split window with the money from that 63 and I drove the split window for a long time and enjoyed it. And, had guilt-free fun with it. So but what, low mileage cars are set to curse, man. What split curse. window was it? I ended up buying a split window that Mike Wolf had for sale from American Pickers. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a, the shop that does all of his work is called J3 Restorations. Uh -huh. And uh, they're in Columbia, Tennessee. Really, really nice guys. And this car had been on the Samba for a long time. And it was actually the second split window I've owned. And it, it was just, I loved the story. I'm a story guy. Like it doesn't matter. Like I, it doesn't matter the car so much, but if there's an awesome story that goes behind it, like you've got me, like I'm your guy. Right. Um, and this car had an amazing story. Mike Wolf had, it, it was never the one on, it was on the show. Everybody always thinks, cause I'm in Pennsylvania. It was the one that he found in the rafters with the pigeon crap all over it. But it was a different car that just never made it on the show. And he had bought it from a guy that, um, had owned it and put it away since like the sixties, I think. And I tracked down, I ended up tracking down the family of the original owner and the original owner was a world war one pilot that had lost his leg in combat. And he had, he drove that thing with a wooden leg and I oh, mean, he wow. was long gone obviously, but the family remembered the car and it was sold at uh, Han, Han, uh, Han Volkswagen in Stuttgart. Uh, was the name of the dealer, but that was a killer car. I should have never sold that car. I I got blinded by Porsches, and I ended up <laughs> selling that car to get a 356 that ended up being just a complete basket case. So mistake number one, I should have never sold the split window, but well, that was I, a really cool car. I think as VW enthusiasts, we go through this thing where it's like, okay, we've got our, like me, I've got my bus, and then I have my bus with you know, I start with my bug and then I got my bus, then I got my bus with a big type four motor. And then it's like, you want more power, more this, more that. And then at some mm -hmm. point you go, you know, these are just Volkswagens. I think I'm going to get a Porsche. I think I'm just going to yep. get a Porsche, the car that's supposed to be fast, supposed to be this. And then yeah. it's all this buildup Dude, and, and then you get it. Exactly. And it's such a different feel. And you know, the different feel is the the different feel is, so I've had a 67, 912 and 86, 911 and a, 2003 or not 2003 a 99 uh, 996 uh, uh, Carrera 4 and mm -hmm. every time I drove a Porsche everybody's everyone's trying to race me like everywhere I go yeah. it's someone's trying to race me 
And when I'm yeah. driving my Volkswagen, it's like I'm trying to race everybody else to yeah, show them how exactly. fast, you know, this thing yeah. is. But it's like you're, you you can't even enjoy driving a Porsche, at least no. the classic 911 body style, because everyone wants to race you. Yeah. But, you know, with 356 is a lot of people don't realize maybe one of the reasons why those cars are so expensive. First, I mean, it's it's the P car. It's got the name. But second, they're rotted hulks, man. Like those things for they're the most part. cars. Oh, they're awful. They have so many spots for rust to hide that really that. most of the cars that I know that get restored, unless they're like a dry desert car, the whole bottom half of the car has been replaced. Yep, yep. Uh, they're worse than Carmen Ghia's. I mean, Carmen yeah. Ghia's are notoriously known for, you know, just because of their construction, you know, like, oh, man, look in the nose for Bondo. Look here, look there, you know, where they join the seams. And, uh, 356, 100 times worse. They're crazy. Yeah. I lucked out and got a car from California, but it was just clapped out. It was tired, and I got <laughs> blinded by the Porsche thing. And what's funny is, like, you know, during the course of all my Herbie, Herbie-dom stuff that I had done, like, I was in a, the Volkswagen scene with other cars. I mean, I've always owned multiple cars at the same time. So, I mean, I was always in the Cowlick scene, you know, at the same time as the Herbie deals. So, like, you know, I, I'd owned other cars, and I remember the biggest dis- – probably the biggest disappointment of my life with a car was a 928. I bought a 928 oh, because yeah. I loved that car from Risky, Risky Business. Risky Business. You're like, yeah, oh, I got to get that car. Yep. Yeah, and I I had saved up money, you know, flying for Southwest, and I bought it from a Delta mechanic who had taken just pristine care of it and was meticulous about everything, and it was – it was like an 82S, and it was a, you know, dogleg five-speed car – and dude, I, I remember like I paid him, you know, I, I, I did the test drive. I didn't dog on or anything because I could tell he didn't want that. And, and as soon as I like got in the car and I'm, I'm pulling out and this was in Orlando where I lived at the time and I remembered flooring it and I was like, what, what have I just done? Like this car is slow. This is awful. I had my 56 oval that had IDAs on it would have just annihilated the car. So yeah. I built this Porsche up in my mind so much that yeah, I was so disappointed. And I took some of my Herbie money when I sold, you know, the expensive Herbie and I bought a 996 twin turbo and it didn't, I mean, it didn't disappoint. Oh, but oh, We can talk Porsches for a second here and I can tell you this. I had an 86 911 and the okay. story when I bought my 86 911, I was like, babe, this is so rad. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go on a drive. And I thought like it had, and this was, uh, this was 2000. Let's say 2003, right? I buy an 86 okay. 911 with 180,000 miles on it. I talk okay. to my buddy at the Porsche place because, nope, that's fine. Those miles are fine on it. I buy this car. It's 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 an odd, sweltering, hot day in Vegas. And I'm like, babe, let's go for a cruise on the lake. This thing's got air conditioning. And I'm telling you oh, right no. now, it was, like, it was like baby's breath blowing on you. I was sweating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was oh, sweating yeah. like crazy in that car. And then... I got a, I got my 996, which everybody in the Porsche world kind of crowns on the 996. I'll tell mm-hmm. you right now, I'll take a 996 over an air-cooled 911 oh, yeah. any day because the air is going to freeze you out. The car yep. is faster than crap, and yep. they're, they're bulletproof reliable, man. And yeah. as far as deals, that's the best deal. If you want to find a great deal on a 911, and a 911 you're actually going to drive, any 996 because they're super they're super uh, inexpensive to purchase. Yep. You can you can pick them up from anywhere for fifteen to eighteen thousand bucks. Yeah, they're worth it if you if you like the the little two seat Boxster. The Boxster is the same car from the from the the, the A pillars back, and yep. you know everybody makes a huge deal about the IMS bearing, but the reality is with the IMS bearing failures, 
in respect to percentage is minimal, totally minimal, but it's worked up everybody in their head. But I tell you, Porsche's man is just like a, you know, the, the, if, so if you had a nine, nine, six twin turbo, man, that, that is a bulletproof, ridiculously engine in it. Yeah. It had all the bells and whistles, man. That car ran like 10, what did he say? It ran 10 forties, I think in the quarter mile. I mean, it was ridiculously fast, but then there again, like it's kind of like the it's mileage. A, it's like I've got 600 horsepower at my disposal. Second gear, I'm going to jail and losing my license like forever. Right. So like what good is all this? Yeah. So, so I sold that and I bought a Beck 550 Spider, which was a really cool car. Yeah. Like I, that's if there's one I could have back, that would probably be on the list because I had so much fun with that car. I, I kind of made it a little more authentic. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's, you know, a Beck, so it's sure. not a real one, but I put 16 inch, you know, wheels and skinny bias plies on it, had a big like 2165 CC motor, uh, from CB performance. I put 48 IDA Weber's on it. Like that car was awesome. It was hooked up. And, um, I ended up, I ended up selling that car on bring a trailer and it did really well. Like I made really good money on that car, but, um, but it's funny because I, I always come back to Volkswagens. Like there's, there's never been a time that I've not had a Volkswagen since I was a kid, and I've always got like some little facet that I haven't, you know, delved into yet. So it's like, well, let's go over here and see what this is all about. You know, I've got, I, I'm always looking for cars. Like I bought, I bought a '55 uh, Oval that was raced in the La Carrera Panamericana. It was really? sponsored by, yeah, it was sponsored by Mars Candies. And each one was painted a different color Skittle. And so I, I had this, it was called the Skittles bug. And um, that car was really popular. Like I have a thread on the Samba about when I built it. And I was checking the thread just out of the blue today. And some guy chimed in and said, I raced the blue Skittle in Europe. And um, so that was kind of cool. And, and I don't know, do you collect toys at all? The um, green light collectibles, they yeah, have that club B-dub. Of, they, yeah. did, they did a toy of my pink Skittles bug. Really? Yeah, and like what year was that? Last, what year was uh, that bug? Uh, it was a '55 Oval Semaphore car, um, but it raced in '96, the La Carrera. And Mars um, it, built a series of Beetles to represent the. There were four. Yeah, it was a it was a team of four cars, and um, and they raced in. It was like a historic VW class. It was like a class that they made up for it in in. Uh, it's funny because I tracked it. Of course, I'm Mr. Detective. I tracked down the guy who who actually raced my car. Yeah, uh, it's a guy named Carl Schneider, and he had he had kind of been the guy that formulated this this class for the thing. And he said he said we had so much fun, but they were so damn slow. He was like, every time that we would pull up, you know, like every time we would get to the checkpoint, like they'd already be out of beer, and like the party would be over, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'd have to wake up early to start all over again to do the next stage of the race the next day. So he was like, it was awesome, but he was like, they were super underpowered. I think they only had like 1600s in them. And were those, but, um, oh yeah, so those cars were stock, stock setups? Pretty much, yeah, they were stock. But it was a cool car, and um, and where'd you so find that? that? Was, Dude, that car. Did you know it was, was what it was when you bought it? I did, yeah, and they even advertised it as such. I think I paid like five grand for that car, and it was on Bring a Trailer as well. But before they did the auctions, it was just a, it was a Samba ad, and they had highlighted it. And when I'm on my overnights, when I'm working, like I'm in a hotel basically, yeah, so what do I do? I'm, that, right. I, I'm looking for Volkswagens to buy, and I happened to see it, and I was one of the first guys to respond, and it was like four hours from me. It was outside of Columbus, and um, yeah, the cars had. 
the cars had been sold off after the race and they sat at a body shop for, you know, 10 years and nobody did anything with them. And this guy, I think had gotten it running again and taken it to a show or two. And, and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of over it. I want to sell it. So I bought it and yeah, it was a cool car. It was really fun. And there's, there's a couple scenes. If you watch the bug movie again, like you'll see it in the background, it's like parked in the driveway. And I think I'm going through like a tunnel at one point and I've got a dachshund on my lap yeah. and, She's that just the, a puppy. That's that that's bug? The Skittles bug, yeah. Yeah, because if you look on the windshield, I've got a banner that says bring a trailer because I, I took it to a, the Vintage Grand Prix one year in Pittsburgh, and I think bring a trailer was there, so I brought it down for them, which was kind of cool. Now there's but, another car that you drive in the documentary, which is a which is a, a Mexican taxi. Oh, man, that's a fun story if you want to get into that. That's actually pretty well, cool. That, so one of my challenges with my Mexican bug is I had like the Mexican receipt from the dealership but everybody okay. here ends up swapping pans or swapping numbers to get them to, totally. to be legit here. So what did it take for you to get the the Mexican taxi over here? <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So so I'll tell you the whole story behind the taxi. The taxi story is really cool. And I really, honestly, I wish we could have gotten into the story more in the documentary. But I didn't, I didn't want to kind of incriminate myself because it was, you know, it wasn't entirely legal what we did back then, but right. it all started out. It, it once again, a Samba thread, there was a Samba thread about how they were going to be outlawing the taxis in Mexico city. And through the course of my research for this documentary, it was kind of weird because there were some backdoor deals, I think between the government and Nissan Nissan had a car that was called the Tsuru mm -hmm. in Mexico City, which was four doors. And I don't think they were selling very well at first. And so I think there were kind of some shady deals where they were like, hey, if you can outlaw the taxis because they're not safe and there's been a, an uptick in crimes with them, we've got this awesome, you know, Nissan Tsuru four door that would that'd be, a, that'd be a great car, it'd be a great fit for this. And the Tsuru is basically like our B13 Sentra, like right. a boxy, like compact Sentra. They're still making them down there. So long story short, the government decides this is a good idea because people are getting kidnapped and robbed in these taxi beetles. And people, you know, they're only two doors. So like you can't right. get out of them if they would disable the locks. So they're like, all right, um, as of 2012, all of the taxi licenses are going to expire if you have a Volkswagen. So we're done with those. So... So there, the government's answer to this was we're going to offer all of these taxi beetle drivers because they're their personal cars. Like they own it. It's not a fleet company. It's like these sure, guys they get a license. They, yeah, yeah. They, they need a license, whatever. So they said what we're going to do is we'll offer them the equivalent of 1200 US dollars, which will be a down payment for this new Nissan that they're going to need. And then we're going to collect all these beetles and we're just going to crush them. And I was like, that's crazy. And so I'm watching this thread and all these pictures start pouring in of these city impound lots in Mexico City. And when I tell you there were thousands upon thousands of these Mexican beetles getting crushed, it, uh, I'm not even exaggerating. I mean, there was they said at the height of the taxi beetle um, movement, I guess you'd call it, there were as many as 80 to 100,000 VW beetle taxis in Mexico City at wow. one point. I mean, you could not go anywhere without seeing one of them. It was crazy. And I used to fly down there um, because of my job, obviously. We went to Mexico City. So so I was like, all right, this is crazy. And we knew we were going to do – Damon Risto, who I need to mention because he's the director of the Bug movie. He was you know, instrumental in all of this. We decided we were going to tell the story of Volkswagen in Mexico because that kind of leads up to the Ultima edition, which was the end of the air-cooled sure. deal in Mexico. 
So I was like, well, this kind of all fits in. Let me see if I can't save one of these things. So I had friends that were in Mexico City that started looking out for a car for me. And I mean, we would go on like, I'd go on like Google Street View and find a car that looked like it was decent. They'd go there and it was long gone. And so this went on for probably two or three weeks. And, um, and one of my buddies, Diego, was like, I think we found your car. And it was this guy named Ignacio who was a cab driver and he loved his bug. It was a, it was a 92 Beetle. And he was like, you know, they want me to crush it. The, they're going to crush it. If I turn it in, I don't want that. This car has been such a good friend to me. You know, it's kind of like the Herbie thing. You know, he's yeah. like, we've been through all these adventures together. Like, I feel like a bad person if I turn this in for 1200 bucks, they crush it, you know, and then I just go buy this boring car. And so what my friend would do is just put cards on windshields of these beetles. And this guy called back and he was like, where, where's this car going to go? And my friend Diego was like, you're not going to believe this, but there's a guy that's a Volkswagen collector up in the United States and he wants this car. And that must've been the right words to tell him because he was like, yes, tell him I will sell him the car. Um, he still had all the taxi stuff for it. You know, the taxi meter and the sign that goes on top and I mean, everything for it. Um, and so we made a deal for the car. Okay. Here's where it gets crazy. So I paid, I think I told him I'd pay him like, you know, a hundred bucks more than what they were going to give right. him just to make it, a, you know, sweeten the deal. Or so I think I paid 1300 us dollars for it or whatever. And it's funny. Cause when he, when Diego initially called me, he was like, all right, I think we have a deal. He's like, it's going to be 26,000 pesos. And I was like, how like, much what? is that? I don't even know. I can't do the, is that a lot? And then it came out to be like 1250 bucks or something. I was like, Oh, I'll pay pay you that right now. <laughs> like lock that down. I want this car. Because even even when there were still some on the road, it was really hard to find ones that were good. I mean, right. it would be like going to New York City and trying to find a, a Cherry Crown Vic, sure. you know, in, yeah. in the year 2000. They're just, they're all beat up, and they touch park in Mexico. I mean, like, if the space isn't big enough, they'll bump it and make it big enough. They're, so they're all pretty ratty. But as, as old Beatles go, this thing ran great. Like, you know, the tranny was good, and so I bought the car. That was just the first step, and... We basically did like a relay baton torch passing of this car from Mexico City all the way up to the border in Texas. And along the way, I would pay people. Like I paid I paid a guy to drive it basically out of Mexico City, and we had to like plot it all out. Like he's like, well, he's like, we'll, we'll need to make the trip. It's like a 16-hour trip, but we have to break it up into two days because I cannot travel at night. This guy was an ex-federale, and he was like, if I travel by night, you know, they're going to rob me on the road. They might steal the car. He's like, so let's break it up. We'll make it two days. I paid for his lodging. Then once we got to the border, I had to find a fixer. And the fixer guy works with the border and he, I remember like yesterday talking to this guy, his name was like Jose. And, and I was like, all right. I was like, where are we at Jose? And he was like, okay. He's like, I've got some questions about this Volkswagen. I was like, yeah, no problem. He was like, question number one. He's like, when was it stolen? Has it been reported yet? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I need to know if it's stolen. I was like, no, the title's in the glove box. Like I bought the car. He was like, oh, okay. He's like, and I also need to know, like, what are we transporting? And I was like, well, I've got like a box of taxi stuff in the back and some toys. And he was like, no. He's like, is it heroin? Is it cocaine? Is it marijuana? I was like, uh, no, like, not no, bro. that. I was like, Just no, no drugs. He was like, so let me get this straight. He was like, you bought this car 
legit. He's like, it's not stolen, and you don't want me to transport any drugs across the border. I was like, no, I just need you to cross it into Texas. He's like, oh, that's two hundred bucks. <laughs> nice. So, so I PayPal him two hundred bucks, and I had a buddy on the other side of the Texas border waiting with a truck and trailer, and and I got it back to Pennsylvania. So nice. yeah, it's still it's still registered as a a ninety two Volks like no pan swap, none of that. Um, but I had to sit on it for a while because of the 25 year rule. So, so did you, or, or were you able to title it in the U S not, 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 not immediately. I had to sit on it for a while until the 25 rule, the 25 year rule. But yeah, now I've got plates on and drive it everywhere. Never had a problem with it. Really? So, and how many miles, good. how many miles were on that dude when you got it? I don't know, but I'll tell you this, like no telling how many times this thing's been turned over, but I got all the paperwork going back to like when the car was bought new at the dealer and it's still got the original engine in it, dude. Really? Like there's no telling how many miles are on this thing, yeah. but it is the original motor. It's, it's fuel. Great. Is it fuel injected hydro, hydraulic lifter motor or is it carbureted? No, it's one, of, it's one of the last carbureted ones, luckily, because the, the fuel injection stuff's getting really hard to find because what I found out is when I would go down to Mexico, Anytime you saw a bug on the side of the road, they would have like, there'd be a phone number on it and then like Spanish writing. And it was basically like, I want to buy this, call me. And like, you'd have like four or five phone numbers on every one of these Volkswagens. And mine was one of them. Um, and come to find out, like my friend Diego told me, he's like, oh yeah, they just want them for the fuel injection parts. They don't care about the rest. They'll, they'll junk the rest, but they take, they pull the ECU brain out and they pull the harness and then like any of the fuel injection stuff. And then they basically just scrap the rest of the car. And so Every time that I went back to Mexico City, I saw fewer and fewer and fewer Volkswagens. And and now, like you go down there, dude, they're like pretty much all gone. It's crazy. Like you've got, you still got a Volkswagen scene down there. They're always gonna have the diehards. I actually went down for a Volkswagen show like probably three years ago, and I mean, dude, they had like twenty split windows there, and yeah. it was really cool. Like there's a really really good scene down they there. They don't play in Mexico City. They got some. No, they got some they legit don't. cars. They do. They do. And I'll tell you another place they don't play around with Volkswagens is Puerto Rico. Yeah. Because when I lived in Orlando, I would say probably 75% of the actual like club that we had was Puerto Ricans. Yeah. And, and Puerto Ricans likes to go fast, my friend. I mean, they, dude, one of my friends, his name was Daniel. Um, he had a 10 second turbo bug, like 2002, 2003. I yeah. mean, those guys don't play. Dude, when I lived in Orlando, I was like my daily was my 56 oval. I think I was telling you about when I bought that 928 and I loved that car. It was like a 12 second car, you know, totally respectable. Wasn't the prettiest thing. I mean, I didn't have DKP money back then, but sure. I mean, we, we all had fast cars and I remember we used to meet at the Sonic, you know, like, like how DKP had Nick's and yeah. DQ, we had Sonic and it, it's funny because I was looking through these old magazines the other day and there used to be the, the VW Spring Break show was in Orlando. And it's the Sonic that we used to meet at was the same exact parking lot where the Bug Hut used to be. Um, just funny. pure coincidence. But I remember one night I counted 30 cars with 48 IDA Webers on them in our Orlando club. I mean, we didn't we didn't play around. No messing we, around we, like, over there, huh? Yeah, yeah. It was... And it was a fun time. I mean, everyone was doing well. Everyone had money. And, and what killed it was the recession. As soon yeah. as 2008 hit, dude, everybody put their cars up for sale. Nobody had money to be spending on, you know, freaking straight cuts and Webers and close ratio boxes. And that whole scene just kind of disappeared. So, and now, but it was, 
kind of sad to see that happen because we we had a lot of fun i mean we'd go to the drag strip and i mean we were legit it was yeah, cool. a nice a nice good street racing scene is always good for the hobby man it always just pumps people up to meet on a regular basis yeah for sure now you got you currently um own a car that was uh, there was another movie car that's kind of vw related to some extent it's the one that's in the in the little YouTube video that's that's called Old Soul uh, Ford versus Ferrari 906. Yeah, I so I got that car. That car I I was able to track down. I think I made the deal for it last December. Um I it's funny cuz I originally tried to buy a different car that was used in that film. Um there was an an old school like Aston Martin DBR that Matt Damon drives at the very beginning. He catches on fire like when they're refueling in the pits or whatever. Right. And, and I love that car. Like I love old, like fifties and sixties race cars. I, I always have. And so when I initially called to ask about that car, they told me it had sold and it actually sold to Carol Shelby's grandson. That's who bought the car. So it was already spoken for, but, um, he was like, look, he said, um, I have some other cars that you might be interested in. And, you know, he's showing me the GT forties and I mean, they were like $250,000. So I was like, I don't have that kind of money, man. Like they I was like, real, yeah, real GT forties. No, no, none of the cars replicas. Yeah, they had. Yeah, everything's replicas. Yeah. Um, the no. one the one real car that they well, the one real Porsche that they used was a 911. It was like a early long hood 911 that a friend of mine owns in California. Um, but even that still has a Subaru motor. Um, they didn't want to deal with the Porsche motors being really? temperamental. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. But um, so he was like, he's basically like, look, we've got some of these Porsche 906s. I don't know if that'd be something you're interested in or not. And he showed me pictures. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I want that. That's cool. I was like, all right, what do I have to do to get one of these? He was like, well, he was like, I signed a bunch of paperwork with 20th Century Fox that I can't really advertise these cars as being used in Ford v. Ferrari. So I'm kind of looking for people that can help me place these cars in collections. And so, you know, I know a lot of guys in the car industry and in the car collecting world. And I was like, I certainly could probably sell some of these cars. And so we basically made a deal to where I could afford that car by basically dropping my commission and, and helping him sell some of these other cars off. So I sold some of the Ferraris and GT forties and all these other cars. And then I got to pick out one of the nine Oh sixes and put some cash with that. Now were these all replica cars? Yeah. Everything is a replica. And and was was this the, 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 the shop that built them? Um, no, so there were a bunch of different shops that contributed to the movie. Um, Superformance provided some of the GT40s and the Cobras for the film. Right. And then there was another shop called Race Car Replicas up in Michigan, Fraser, Michigan. And they were the ones that kind of did the lion's share of the cars that were actually going to be racing. And I think the Superformance cars were basically just to look pretty and to look legit on the inside. But all the other cars basically had LS motors in them. And then any of the import stuff had Subaru engines in them, um, little EJ 25s, <laughs> which is funny. what my, yeah, which is what my 906 actually has. It's, it's really? an EJ 25 Subaru motor. Yep. But the car weighs nothing. Um, uh, the company that built the, the Porsche 906 replicas, um, was a company called ghost light and they're in the Valley there in LA. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's unbelievable the amount of work that they put into, you know, recreating these cars. Cause a real Porsche 906 is $3 million now. Sure. So obviously, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna be able to afford five of those for the movies. So they bought these, you know, they paid to have these replicas built. And I mean, they were high six figure builds, you know, Are like they, I, think, I think they said they, they spent 150 to $175,000 on each of the 906. Fiberglass bodies. Yeah. Fiberglass bodies, tube, tube chassis, um, 
mid-engine, uh, full adjustable coilover, suspension, the best of the best. I've had this thing on the track, and it is a beast. I mean, it does. It's it's fast. I would say it's probably like, well, I mean, my Beck my Beck Spider had a pretty healthy two liter in it, and it's way faster than the Beck oh, Spider. Yeah. Those Subaru uh, motors, man. Those I've got a square back that I've been trying to get a Subi motor put in, and I know that's sacrilege to some people, but I, I envision a square back as you know something not a lot of people care to look at the motor, and it's more aesthetics and how the car looks. And if yeah. I could drop in a hundred and seventy horse turnkey motor that runs you know 70 80 mile an hour all day that would yep. be a blast and 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 really the, the main reason i want to put it in my square back is i'd i'd love to drive the square back long distances because it's a way more comfortable car you and know you the totally type threes could. are yep yep you totally and it's funny because there's this whole like resurgence like <clears throat> if you remember like in the 60s and 70s like obviously like the go-to like kit car engine and transmission was volkswagen because right. they were cheap they were easy to work on they'd last whatever well, that's now become the Subaru engine. Like the Subaru engine swap is a new hot deal. Like if you saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie, mm -hmm. awesome movie, one of the Carmen Ghias that Brad Pitt drove, the blue one, that was Subaru motor. So like any any of these movie production companies, they're not wanting to right. mess with the Porsche The Subaru engine. is the LS of the flat four motors. It is. It totally <laughs> is. Yeah. Anytime there's a Volkswagen nowadays, it seems like they're putting Subarus in them. And and I'm on this. There's actually a Facebook group for Porsche, um, for Subaru swapped Porsches now that really? um, my buddy turned me on to. And it's, it's amazing. And they Subaru actually made a flat six. And that yeah. seems to be the one that they're all like, there are a lot of 914 guys that are putting the Subaru, you know, flat six conversion in. And they seem to like it. So I don't know. But well, I, I'll tell you that this, the Subaru, I, I have a Subaru powered sand car. And I've got, it's oh, a cool. EJ25 with a bolt on turbo setup on it. So it's an yeah. NA motor that's running super high compression. So it runs race gas only, but I'll tell you right now, I take that sand car out to the dunes and I run with the LS cars, you know, oh, yeah. if, if I get the go, I'll stay there, you know, but it's a little, I mean, it's a little four banger and that thing, it's got yeah. power. You can rev it to the moon and it's uh, fuel yeah. injected. And, uh, I tell you, it, it's, uh, it, I, I did a podcast with, uh, Scott Mann from renegade hybrids and he has his entire business is LS powered 914s, right? So wow. that's he's his his business is called Renegade Hybrids and okay. he started he bought the business few quite a few years back from a guy that started it and he really was intrigued by the the V8 conversion 914s and he did a Subaru conversion 914 that's it's one in Excellence magazine like an M&M green uh 914 with a Subaru a Subaru swap in it. <clears throat> and I said to him I said wouldn't it be isn't the Subaru swap easier than the than the V8 swap? He's like, no, the V8 swap's way easier than than the really? the Subaru swap. Yeah, which was surprising to me because I I thought to talk to him like, man, we should come up with like turnkey kits to drop in mm -hmm. a Subi, especially in your Type right. Three. And the reason why I'm a big proponent of putting them in a Type Three is because nobody's really looking at the motor in Type Threes. Type Threes are exactly. more, you know, yeah, they're always covered up anyway. So why not? <clears throat> yeah, and I mean. Don't get me wrong, AJ Sims, who's uh, also been on the podcast, he's got his Type 3 Fasty that's got, you know, 2,400cc motor that's all EFI turboed, and uh, yeah. he drives that thing like, like a beast, but he's also builds engines for a living. And yeah. uh, He's also AJ Sims. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, it's a little different to some regular people. I think, you know, you yeah. could spend 
seven, eight, nine grand on a, on a motor, or you could buy, you know, get a Subi motor with a hundred thousand miles on it, put some new head gaskets on it, tune it up a little bit. And the, yeah. and you're never going to, you know, even in stock form, it's four times the horsepower of Volkswagen. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. It's crazy. I, I think it's, well, it's funny. Cause like this car, this car, I mean, I think in the back of my mind, it was kind of always an investment car, you know, sure. it's another movie car. I had a really good opportunity to get it and, um, I've had my fun with it. Believe it or not, the car is on loan right now to the Porsche museum in Atlanta. It's really sitting in the Porsche museum in Atlanta as we speak. Um, there's, there's an exhibit right now going on called Porsche on screen and they, they wanted it. So I thought that was pretty cool that it's a replica 906, but it's literally sitting in the Porsche museum in Atlanta right now. So no, that's, that's kind of cool. Rad. That's rad. And what well, I got to tell you, dude, like when I get the car, I think it's probably going on the market because there's, and this is, you're partially to blame for this, <laughs> but I've been listening to like a lot of your, you know, your podcast episodes and man, like. I listen to Ray Mejia's and I listen to Alex's and all this, you know, I'm, I'm looking online. I'm like, Oh, bad temper two is for sale. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah. And now Bob Daniels and I have been going down this eighties rabbit hole. I was like, Oh man, there's so many Volkswagens I could buy if I sold that thing. So yeah, I don't look to be owning that for much longer. Cause there's a lot you, of Volkswagens I still want to own out there. If there's, if there's a car, if there's, if there's a car that I would want from the eighties, just from a visual standpoint, the car that affected me personally there's, there's, um, there's bad Raz, mm -hmm. oh, and yeah. then, or, or, and then there's also, uh, there was an issue. One of my favorite issues of hot VWs where I used to study was the eight, the 1989, um, year by year changes the custom, how to hot rod your Volkswagen, uh, yeah. customization handbook for, for hot VWs. And it had the year by year changes. And I just yeah. used to read it over and over and over again. Oh, yeah. And, I had both of those because they had two. They had the the part one and the part two. I remember that. Right, and and the, on the cover in the center, they've got two chop tops. And, I know exactly which. It you're says Valley about. Boys. There's a black convertible, and, and the red rag with the real BRMs that, that are red. I want the red car. The red car is like my dream car. Dude, and that car's for sale. You is know it, that right? No. Oh yeah. Where Talk is it, to Bob? Is it really? Yeah. Is it is yeah. it East Coast cars on the West Coast? It's got to be. It's got to be West Coast because I saw it at. At uh, at the classic about five or six years ago, and it was like one of those things, like running into a girl that you've been in love with her picture for a long time, and then you kind of yeah. see it up close, and you're like, uh, totally. It's oh, dude, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's yeah, that's wild. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to check it out, man. Yep, yep, you need to for sure. Like uh, that's dude, that's that's all I've been on lately. Like you have no idea. Like I just won another NOS baby turbo mirror on eBay this morning. <laughs> I bought another set of Rossi headlights. Like Rossi's I mean, I'm. Dude, I'm ready for this, man. Like it's coming. <laughs> I feel like it's coming. Yeah, I really. I've like, got a, um, I've got a wink mirror over. Here. I got a couple wink mirrors over here. <laughs> do you? Yeah, I had a guy's gonna throw in the trash. Here. He's like, "You want this mirror?" I'm like, "Like to grab it, look at the back. It says wink on." It. I'm like, "No, I'll take that. Yeah, no problem. I've got some tornado mirrors in here that I that I ended up finding in the back of a Puma that I picked up. But uh, yeah, there's so there, there's so many cars out there that that you see in the magazine then you see them up front. Like there was the, there was the, on the eighties forum currently there was the, uh, and I don't know the guy who, who made it was my first California show. It's the black okay. oval. That's got the puzzle pieces on the rocker yep. panel. Yep. Bert Silos, I think was his name. Yeah. That car, yep. man. The, I could yeah, never the understand the interior. interior. They were all blocks. Yeah, yeah. I could not understand the interior. And I thought like, this is some weird kind of orthopedic, you know, uh, back support kind of interior that converts into a bed or something. But 
yeah. that that car to me, I I still have the photographs. I'll, I'll post them online, but I have the photographs I took out in front of the at the jamboree out in front in Orange County Fairgrounds, out in front of the the warehouse where they do the swap meet. And I just had a picture of that bug and a black and white 21 window. And I was just like, I, my oh, mind wow. was exploding because it was the first time I'd been to a show in California. And, yeah. oh man, I was just, it was heaven for me, man. So, oh yeah, yeah, that car for me, the way that car sits, the stand, that was one of the first cars that was like super slammed that, yeah. that black car. But, uh, man, I love that one. And then even from back in the nineties, man, you had Scott Smith's black 67 when the MP oh, yeah. craze just started firing off and, oh, yeah. and, and Scott every Smith Impy part on had it, man. everything <laughs> on that car. Everything. Yeah. yeah that was insane. The, I, yeah. I, that's, I've been saying for years now, uh, for a couple years, I keep wanting to build an eighties throwback car because I know the whole eighties, in my opinion, guys, our age want to recapture those cars that they had back in the day. And what's so funny is, is there's a, there's a guy on, uh, there's a guy on Facebook and a guy that had, he had a nice, I tell you, he had a super nice, uh, I think it's a 67 bug. It was at the it was at the classic not the classic it was mm-hmm. at Prado year before last it was for sale and he he built an eighties throwback so it was like a gumball blue with white yeah, and pink with the scallops. White scallops yeah, yeah Mike the color match five. Mike yeah, Mike is about. his name yeah I know the car yeah and he has that for sale for a really re- it's under ten grand really reasonable price and yeah. I was like I'm looking at her like man if I had space in my garage right now I'd buy that car. It. You know, know. because I just love, I love the look of the eighties, like the flashy colors, the white with pink tips. Yeah. Color match stuff. I love it all. I love it all. Dude, I'm, I'm actively looking right now. I actually have a wanted out on the Samba right now for an eighties car. And I've found a few, like I found a few show cars. There's, um, there's one, it's a yellow one. I think I sent you pictures of it. It's called no control. And dude, I want that car so bad, but the guy just refuses to sell it. And and here's my detective work again, you know, coming through. But I tracked down the original guy who built the car, a guy named John Bloom, yeah. who had some amazing stories from back in the day. And this is how, like, I'm gonna bring this all full circle too. He he told me at one point he crashed with um Chris Addington the night before one of the Johnny Speed and Chrome shows yeah. because he was a Northern California guy. So he'd come down to Bakersfield, you know spend the night at Chris's and then they'd caravan to the, to the show together or whatever, which was just awesome. And yeah. um, he even said, he's like, those are some of the best times of my life. And of course I wasn't active in that scene. I'm, I'm a 10 year old kid sure. eating hockey W's, but, but it's still kind of 2020 sucks so bad right now. Like yeah. I think any of us are looking for any excuse to just go back to a better time. And, and I think this is, this is kind of like our way of manifesting that, you yeah. know, just getting back to a simpler time and, and, you know, even like I've, I've also been watching all the YouTube videos of like the old like buggeramas and stuff and right. like the bikini contests and just like, dude, it was just like back before political correctness took over and <laughs> everyone's just having a good time. And, Everything like, was laid about, back. Yeah. Yeah. No one's worried about triggering anybody or, you know, safe spaces or any of that. No. It's just like everyone's just chilling. And if you look like. I mean, there's there's black guys, there's white guys, there's Mexican guys. Like everyone's just there for Volkswagens, dude. Like it's all just a family. Like there's no beef, there's no nothing. Like I miss that. Like I don't know. Yeah, I'd have to say, like as far as car scenes that I've been in, because I I own a Buick. uh, You know, I've got a '65 Riviera, like a pro touring car. I just I I just sold my six my my 
90 Celine Mustang that was my buddy's high school graduation car. But I got around the Mustang guys and I was like, eh, these guys are just, there's just a special, there's a different kind of cat that's a Mustang guy, right? Yeah. Like you can be a Mustang driver, but like the Mustang club guys, they're just different. There's just, there's just, there's a special kind of category for those guys. And then, you know, the Buick guys are like the older guys. They don't get the pro touring thing. And then it's, you know, and then I've had, you know, cyclones and typhoons and all this stuff. And everybody, every group has their own genre, guys. But I think, and I'm not saying this, well, I'm saying this because I feel the most at home in the VW scene, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and I remember yep. going going to the first shows. It's like, it's almost like the VW car scene is almost like high school because yep. you have the jocks, the stoners, the yeah. you know like like the black dudes the got group. theirs the mexican yeah. guys got theirs like everybody's got and everybody takes their car and does it that style which exactly. is so cool because it's like it's the only car scene that i know of that's really diverse the platform is the same and every style can be so unique i mean the first the first car show i went to you know, down in Southern California, there was a, there's a club out of Compton, I think it was, or South Central area. And it was called Volcom and Strauss or oh, Volcom yeah, and Strauss. Yeah. And they all had like yep. super deeps in the back and they were all oh, raked. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. it was so legit. And it was just like, man, like every, every section of the population has a VW. And that's, that's why I think I love the scene so much because there's so Agreed. much diversity and there's, Agreed. there's, it's just such a culture about, I think I think what it is that, that I love so much about it is like here's your car, here's your blank platform. It's a canvas, exactly. Make it what you want. You know what I mean? Whether exactly. it's whether it's a, a dune buggy with a V eight in it or you know what I mean? Like yep. these guys yep. do the, everything. And and yep. listen, if you're in this hobby and you're like such a stickler about it's gotta be this way or that way, you're not gonna have fun because the, the fun about yeah, this you're hobby. Yeah, yeah, it's the car that brings people together when it's all I said agree. and done. I completely agree. And dude, that's to me like as a kid growing up in Texas, that's kind of why I've always had this like affinity towards LA because I would I I learned that early on that like, oh, the guys in Orange County like they rock BRMs and 48 IDAs and they don't play around. Their cars are clean and they're fast. Right. But then you've got you know this whole other sect that's like the German folks guys. Like right. they're all about clean and cruising. And then you've got like the East LA kind of street racing culture that yeah. was like kind of street Cal style, show, Cal man. style, it's Cal called. style, yeah. baby with like the sound of speedy and party animal and little dreamer and bad temper too, which I may buy next year if I sell the 906. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, I love stuff like that. Like, like you could probably stand on a corner and watch cars pulling in and be like Compton, Orange County, you yeah. know, Huntington Park, yeah. you know, like oh, I yeah. love that about it. Like that is that to me is what is so cool about just like the LA scene in particular. Like, yeah. it's, but but once everyone's together, like no one's like bashing anybody. Like, oh, I, why you got the, why do you like those ugly magnesium wheels that he paid ten thousand dollars for? I, I, like, no, everybody's cool. You know, the irony is, I was talking to somebody not long ago, and we were talking about Volkswagens, and everybody's like, oh, I fell in love with it when I was a kid, and this that. And when I was like 13 or 14, I thought bugs were like the ugliest car ever. And then I'm sitting there waiting to play 720. I'm standing behind my buddy at the, 
at, at the 7-Eleven or whatever uh-huh. game. I don't even think 720 was out yet. And I'm sitting there and it's like the video games and the magazine rack. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, what am I looking at? And I, it was just that. It was the it was the cover. And I don't think it, it's a raspberry oval, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's bad Raz. It's another Raspberry card. It's the, it's the one issue that I posted on my first Instagram post about it's the actual issue that I bought that like flipped my switch. And I'm like, bro, I got to get a Volkswagen. Yeah. And be- I've still got mine too. The one with the red, the red runner or whatever that, that yeah. red bug. I still, and dude, it's so tattered. Cause I mean, like when I was a kid, I used to like trace over like <laughs> yeah. certain arts and then like, I'm sure you remember the issue where they used to do like the renditions and they had like oh, blank, yeah. like VWs you could like Steve, Xerox Steve off Sanford, and then, yeah. you know, graphics. Yeah, dude, I had all that. But like, it's so cool that we both still have those magazines that kind of like started the whole thing. You know, like I've been oh, posting yeah. stuff on Bob's Facebook page, his 80s and 90s custom page. And I'll like, you know, I'll like crop the like Stroker McDell cartoons. And like, it's so cool to see people like remember this stuff and be like, God, I was... I was 18 and, you know, I'd just broken up with my girlfriend, but like we had this beach party and it was all pink and turquoise bugs. And like just today, <laughs> some guy posted that he finally found his old bug and got it back and bought it back, which was awesome. Like, I love, I love that that page, like Bob has done so much to kind of like yeah. get the resurgence of the eighties thing going again. And like to really, he's kind of like, like the, like Bradley Brownell did Radwood and, and Bob is kind of like the Radwood for Volkswagen customs, you know, I feel like, yeah. um, but it's, it's neat to see all these people getting inspired to like try and track down their old car and, and maybe buy it back. And, you know, I mean, the, the, when you've had so many cars and like, you know, you've kind of ticked all those boxes for so many people, like the one that they want is the one that they can't get back because, you know, their first car is long gone or whatever else. So I, <laughs> I'm it's crazy. I'm the same way. I've got a 63 rag top that I posted pictures of it. And I've been desperately trying to find any paperwork that I have because when I've noted, when I, when I, when I uh, mentioned on the podcast, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to find my original 63. I had like three people say, you get me the VIN number. I'll find the car. And I've been like yeah. looking everywhere for a VIN number for this thing. Yeah. And the crazy part is this car I sold, like I, it was my car, like the car that I, we always have these build up cars. And then it was the car that, you know, I, my, I wrecked, I wrecked my 64. My brother and I went to the junkyard after my car accident and we're, we're looking. And I remember my brother, George, just running across the junkyard like a, like a, like a gazelle. Dude, a rag top, a rag top. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, so yeah. like we go run over there and it's like, here it is, this, this, uh, this teal or it's like, it's like, it's a, a, a golf blue, like a teal greenish rag top sitting there. And it's just like sitting, no wheels, no tires, bone stock, just sitting there in the mud. And I'm like, how much do you want for this car? I talked to the, I still have the receipt for the car. There's no number on the receipt. There's no, it just says VW front end and body. And it says $400. <laughs> I, oh, dr- I, I brought some dummies off my other car. My buddy, I used to do stereos for all the guys in the neighborhood. So my buddy, Amac rolls over with his Buick Regal and we decide to tow it back to his house. We don't have a tow bar or anything or a tow hitch. So we just take a rope and put it on the front oh, yeah. beam and around his back bumper and then put two tires in between the car. Like, it was dis- oh. like I'm looking at nothing like, oh man, I probably did more damage that front end just getting it back oh, to his house. So funny. But it's like that car I built up, I wrecked my 64. I put all the parts from my 64 onto my 63. That was yep. the first car I had painted. That was like... It, it, it was, that was my pinnacle car. And then I built a 2276. My, my buddy Jim built 
uh, I, I helped him a little bit more got in the way than anything else, but built a 2276 drag race out in front of his shop. I seized up the motor cause I over revved it. And then I was like, uh, I'm done with Volkswagens. I'm done uh, first person. And now this is like 1992. I sold that car for $3,500 with no engine. Oh, which was and big. It was a 63 ragtop? 63 ragtop. You it was, know it's probably a Hurry replica now, right? It was polar silver <laughs> on on 15 and 16-inch phone dials, tweed interior that was oh, a stock replica man. with all the billet machined factory-style knobs. Like, this car, oh. what I wouldn't give to have it back, and it's like, I have another 63. I just picked up another 63 that we got for a guy, and then who came along with the 67 giveaway bug that we're going to be building. And I bought a 63 yeah. and, and, a, and, a, and a 67. And then I thought, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sell the 63 and then we'll build the 67 to give away. And, uh, uh, it's just been killing me. I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, wishing that I had my 63 back, but it's that nostalgia. It's that, it's that, I think we long for the time before we had, uh, bills insurance and all those things that were just crushing yeah. <laughs> crushing our soul dragging us into it adulthood is. it's true yeah yep it is all these responsibilities and stuff i mean just to go back to like a simpler time like you know i mean some of my fondest memories of working at that stupid pizza hut you know <laughs> and listening to Soundgarden. yeah and, you know yeah. and it's it's so crazy like I, so I, I definitely, I, I agree with you, man. I, I had that whole moment too. That's, and actually when we, when we filmed the bug, maybe I had not found my first car yet. Um, but I did end up tracking down my 66 and, and I bought it back. Oh, I got get out of here. So, oh so, yeah. Oh what, yeah. So when did you find the 66? Oh dude, this is a whole other story. How much time do we have? Are you, are you good on time? Cause yeah, I, yeah. Like, no, I'm good. I can tell you the story. This is, um, so this, this is the is car, the coolest, the, this, this is, is the car your coolest. mom drove. Yeah, so this is our very first, like, the car that my dad traded for, you know, from Hawaii or whatever. So this was the 66 Pigal Bug. So, okay, so I'll take you back. I I go away to college in, I graduated high school in 95. So I went off to, I went to junior college for the first two years. So 96, 97, I went to Texas Tech University up in Lubbock. Kept the 66 in the garage. It was still, it was still in my parents' name, whatever, um, and then I, I think at the time, oh, at the time I had a yellow and white, it was yellow and white. Then it was a VW trends car, a uh, yellow and white oval window. And I, my, my daily drivers back then were a 67 bus and this yellow and white bug. Was it on BRMs and, um, with a roof rack? Was, was it, that, was it the cover car on hot VW, on VW trends? No, it was a, it was a color feature car inside, but it wasn't a, it didn't have BRMs. I know the car you're talking about. No, this had like white fenders on the front and then the white went up the side and then the rest of the car was yellow. It Got was it. called old recruit, but mm -hmm. um, you'd know the car if you saw it. It was sure. pretty popular in Texas. So anyway, so that was my college car. And, um, and so I come back from, from school one weekend um, just to do laundry as you do. And I open the garage door and the 66 is gone. I was like, oh. Uh okay like what's going on so i go inside and my mom's bawling and she was like i don't know how to tell you this she was like but your dad lost his job my dad was an alcoholic growing up we didn't have the best you know relationship sure. whatever so that's why we moved around a lot too and um he had missed the mortgage that month and needed to pay the mortgage so he sold the 66 Oof. And I was devastated. I mean, devastated. When I tell you we didn't talk, and it sounds it sounds foolish now because I mean that shouldn't dictate your relationship. But I mean, we didn't have a great relationship to start with. And then he sold the one thing that like meant the most to me in the world was right. this car. Because I mean, 
I wouldn't even drive it because I cared about it so much. I never wanted, you know, God forbid I put chrome running boards or, you know, I, I always kept the car completely stock, perfect. You know, I had, dude, I had all the service records like in this little binder, like they had like oil changes from Pearl Harbor Volkswagen. Like, I mean, all the stuff, dude, like wow. it was, it, it was perfect. And, and, and he sold it and, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I tried to track it down. And, um, I, I could never find it. I was always like one step behind. So, um, we filmed the bug movie. I bought that Turkish 67 or 63 that I told you about with, uh, the 19,000 miles on it. And that kind of cured the itch for a little bit. Cause it smelled kind of like that. And it was a nice unmolested car, but it just wasn't the same. I didn't have those memories with that car. Sure. So during the course of the bug movie, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this car back. I'm, I'm going to really try this time. And at the time, my sister was a police officer in Texas. And so I would go down to visit my sister and we'd ride out together. Like you could, you know, ride um, along. you could sign up for a ride along basically. Sure. So I would always go just to see like what crazy stuff we could get into. You sure you didn't go, just go on a slide across the hood of the car and just start yelling yeah, at people? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, totally. Hold it right there. Um, like, hey, man, I'm just walking my dog. <laughs> Well, I tell you, it was, it was hard at times because like, you know, my sister, it, it, like, I didn't think about this until after the fact, but I mean, she would tell me, she's like, all right, like to unlock the AR here, like, this is what you have to do. If I get in trouble, like you have to, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And I was like, geez, this is like going to get real, you know? So, I mean, we got into some stuff, but nothing, she never got shot at or anything right. like that. But, um, a lot of times it was just us sitting in a parking lot waiting for a call. And I had this, like, I'll never forget it, dude. It's like two or three in the morning. We're trying to keep each other awake. And I just happened to look over and I saw the little laptop there. And I was like, if I put in a VIN number, like, will it tell me where the owner is at? And she's like, well, yeah, the car's registered. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I was like, can I? And she's like, yeah, let me get to the screen. So she got to like the database screen for it and just like turned the laptop over. She's like, do you, you remember the VIN number for mom's old bug, you know, our old car. And I was like, of course I remember it. So really, dude, I put it in. Oh, I'm so rain man and OCD <laughs> about that stuff. I had the engine number memorized even still. So I put in the VIN number, dude, and it comes up. The owner oh, is in out. Midland, Texas, which is where my dad had sold the car. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I take down the information, you know, I call the number, it's disconnected. Dude, I was always one step behind this guy. And, um, and so as a last ditch effort, I, I contacted a friend of mine on Facebook who I went to high school with. And I was like, dude, I was like, you're still in Midland, right? And he's like, yeah, he had a speed shop there. He was a car guy. I was like, do you, do you know a guy named, you know, Herman Irwin? And he was like, he's like, well, I know Trey, that might be his son. I was like, does he have Volkswagens? And he was like, oh yeah. He's like, he's got like six or seven of them. I was like, oh my God, dude, my heart sank. Like, I was like, like you have to understand this is like 20 years I've been chasing this car. I was right. like, Oh my God, is this like going to finally come to an end? Long story short, I sent him a picture of the car, you know, with the red interior and he, he messaged me back immediately. He's like, yeah, Trey said his dad owns that car. I was like, Oh my God, like, this is crazy. I was like, I've got to have it back. Was well, dad's like a massive hoarder and had all these cars, but hadn't really done anything right. with Nothing's them. Good. I'm going to restore it one day. Nothing's leaving here. Of course, We all know those guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, it took me another year of um, took me another year of like convincing the guy or whatever, but um, I finally convinced him, you know, to sell me the car back, whatever. And um, another thing a lot of people don't know about is I kind of get emotional in the bug movie when we talk about that car. I talk about that car. Well, 
a week prior to us filming that scene, my mom died unexpectedly of an aneurysm. Mm. Um, and she wasn't even that old. She was 69. So I was pretty tore up. Damon yeah. Risto, who was filming all of this, is from Montana. He was like, look, dude, we can reschedule. And I was like, no. I was like, let's do it. I said my mom was so excited and so proud of me that I was working on this film. You know, she she really wanted to see it. I was like, let's just do it. You know, I'll, I'll power through it. And, and that ended up being like the scene that most people – you know, tell me about, they're like, God, you really got me with that scene. Cause that's, you know, I lost my parent and that my yeah. bug reminds me of those times. So like, you know, it was, it, it, a lot of people got choked up during that scene, obviously. So fast forward, I fly on the next plane to uh, Midland, Texas. And, and I told the guy, I was like, look, I was like, what's it going to take to buy the car? And it, initially what, what I had to do to convince him was I was like, what did you pay for the car? And he's like, well, I think back when I bought it, it was $5,000. I just sold my house in Orlando. I'd done well. I was like, I'll double your money right now. Just let me write the check. And I, you know, in hindsight, I probably overpaid for the car. I mean, it's a nice car, but, but did you? you know, but, you know what I mean? well, to me, it's priceless. Right. So I would have. I would have paid 20. I'm not going to tell him that, but you know, I didn't care to me. It was just money. Like I wanted the car. And so, so we get there. This is the coolest part of the story. Um, so we get there and he opens a storage locker and it's on all four flat tires. It's got an inch of dust. I was like, what is this? Like, this is nothing. Like you said, you'd taken care of this car. And he was like, Oh, it's just been sitting for a while and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just want to get it out of here. Like as soon as possible. So I start looking around the car or whatever, and um and the owner's manual is gone the tool jack is gone the roll is gone like all the cool stuff for the car the window sticker the owner's manual like all the cool stuff for the car that like made it so special is all gone and i was like where's all this stuff and he was like well i it may be in a box somewhere i don't know but i don't think we got it i was like you've got to be kidding me like that's kind of what gives this car the value like you know the fact that it still had all this stuff from Hawaii and where's the Hawaiian license plates. And I know all this stuff went with the car. And he's like, I don't, I don't know, man, I'm going to tell you, do you want the car or not? And I was like, yeah, I still want the car. So I got it running enough to where it would get on a car carrier and I had it shipped back to um, Pennsylvania. Well, my mom had passed away like a year prior, like I said, mm -hmm. and um, we had to go down to clean out all of her belongings from the house because my dad didn't need this three bedroom house, you know, to himself. I still get goosebumps telling this story and I'll try not to get all emotional, but, um, we find a box and in the box is the tool roll, the Hawaiian license plates, the owner's manual and the window sticker and a note that says, Tori, I know one day you're going to find your old bug back. I took all this stuff out before they picked it up. Oh, get out of here. That's and I wild. couldn't, even, and I couldn't even thank her. Like it still tears me up to this day, but I got the car back and I got to tell you, man, like one of the best days of my life was bolting that Hawaiian plate back on, putting the window sticker yeah. and the owner's bank back in that glove box. Dude, there is a decal. If you look at pictures on my Instagram, there's a decal on the windshield that's an old water slide decal of the VBWCA that is still on there. Like anything I put on that car, I refuse to like, you know, change. Yeah. When I, I remember when I was young, I tried to like change out the little celluloid, like red and green oil and turn signal light gels in the speedometer. Right. And I failed, I failed miserably. Like I didn't glue them down good enough. So they're all like, and it, it was faded. So like the triangles not lined up or whatever, dude, it's still like that. And I refuse to fix it because I remember doing that when I was like 11 years old. That's so rad. to me like that, that, kind of that that's my favorite car you know i mean I, I 
I'm guilty of always getting a car that I really love and be like, oh God, I'll never sell this car. Like this is a keeper. This is a keeper. But I will say that is the one car that I will never sell now that I have it back. Yeah. And I encourage everyone out there listening that like if you do, and it does take the VIN number more often than not. And if you have a cop friend, they should be able to help you out, you know, by running the VIN or whatever. But I encourage you to try and find your old car back because there's, there's no feeling like it. I mean, I might as well have found a head Mueller or something when I got it back. I was so happy. It was just like, wow. This yeah. is it's a part, it's, it's a part of being reunited with a part of your life. You know what I mean? It is. It really is. And I really hope you find your 63. You got to wow. find the VIN number, man. <laughs> I know. I know one day I've got to, I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to do a little more digging and see if I've got something documented. I'm trying to locate the old insurance company that I used to be with and see if they've yep. got a record of that. But I mean, you're talking, yep. we're going back 25, 30 years. So yeah, you never well, know. I'll tell you what, what's good about your car is it's a rag top and those, I mean, those have always been valuable. So, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that someone just parked that out or junk it. I mean, no, it's the girl, the girl that bought it painted it like a, a metallic teal, which made me crazy. And then she sold yeah. it to, she sold it to a Hispanic guy that I saw somewhere and the front end had been smashed in. And then I just thought like, yeah. eh, I mean, this was five or six years after I sold it. Cause I was, so I was like, it was like seeing an ex-girlfriend. I was over it. You know what I mean? But, yeah. uh, yeah, of course now in hindsight, I'm, I'm thinking of that car. And I remember we're telling my brother when we were kids, you know, when we were building, I'm like, man, when I have kids, I'm going to give this car to my son and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. now my, my son's a big car buff, you know what I mean? So he's really into it and stuff like that. So, uh, I just That's love cool. to get it back because that car is like my Corvette summer car. Like I drug that car out of the wrecking yard totally. and my totally. brother and I put it back together. And then that was like, that was the highest high and the lowest low was that car because it was like, yeah. I built it where I wanted it, and then it let me down at the last minute, and I threw in yeah. the towel. Yeah, no, nah, that's cool, man. So I look, man. We've had a we've had a great time, man, on the podcast, and uh, for sure we'll uh, we'll have you back to talk about some of your, some more of your escapades. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, probably the best way to to uh, follow my VW and Porsche shenanigans is uh, Instagram. I'm a VW four, like the number four life. So VW for life on Instagram, and then uh, yeah, yeah, most definitely. If anyone knows of a cool '80s car that needs rescuing, let me know because that's that's my next thing, man. Yeah, no doubt, I man. Need a win- I need a winter project. I'm going crazy here, man. I got nothing to do. I'm not flying again until March, so <laughs> it's, it's about it's about to get cold up there. I will bet too. Oh, I know, I know. Everything gets parked here pretty soon. Yeah, because I still have a few Volkswagens right now, so like everything's going to go into you know winter storage here pretty soon, which sucks, but. Well, well Part cool man here in pa well that's rad man i appreciate all your stories man and everything and hopefully uh may if you get a chance uh october 16th 17th we're doing uh we're not really doing a show out here but we're doing a show so i've got the orleans hotel and casino is uh awesome. we're gonna have uh special room rates for some people and then i'm gonna do a uh we're gonna do a uh, Friday night kind of meet and greet strip cruise and then Saturday morning a cruise all across Vegas and then Saturday night a uh, poker run with $1,500 cash prize for nice. first place in the poker run so if you're uh, awesome. if you're down for it man let me know and uh, come out here to Vegas October uh, 16th and 17th man it's a Friday and Saturday so I'll give you something to do next month man. So. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, right on, well, dude, man. Thanks for having me, man. This has been a really uh, a really fun stroll down memory lane. This no, for sure. Cool. For sure, man. I appreciate you coming on, brother. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. It was a good time for me. 
There's also some things coming up in the near future that maybe we discuss in this podcast that you guys will see coming to fruition. Now for some shout outs for some people that supported the podcast. Tom Carrick from Sparks, Nevada, supported the podcast. The old school retro shirt is what he picked up. And uh, Zach Harrison picked one of those up too. I'm waiting for those to come in this week, guys, and you guys should get them next week sometime. So as soon as they come in, we'll get them sent out to you. Also, Rob Miller picked up a patina ringer, man. So I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. Uh, I'll keep them coming. You guys keep supporting. And hopefully some of you guys will come here to Vegas for our big weekend on the 16th and the 17th. Um, Because it's not an organized event and there's no specified car show, although there's a host hotel, and there'll be an area where all the cars park together. I don't know. You tell me. I tell you, it's going to be a great time. It'll be a great time. You guys will never forget the weekend. And uh, there may be some other sneaky surprises in store with that as well. But until next week, guys, I appreciate the comments and the people contacting me through the website. Um, it's been great. You guys got any questions or you got any guest requests or things to that extent or want to be on the podcast and send me your story. Uh, it's Bill at Let's Talk Dubs.com. So until next week, guys, later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have.